welcome to the Enhanced Living Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kruger. I believe that we all have within us the power to be everything that we were meant to be and so much more. This show is a weekly dose of practical and spiritual principles, strategies, tips, and ideas to help you grow into the best version of yourself. Here's to becoming exactly who you were meant to become. I've been called a human Swiss army knife because I'm a TV host, inspirational speaker and coach, live event MC and DJ, certified yoga and Ayurveda teacher, functional fitness enthusiast, author, husband, and dad with a voracious appetite for knowledge. And I'll be sharing real talks with successful people from all walks of life, spiritual teachers and masters and experts in many different fields. I'll also share my own perspective that I've gained from over 20 years of diligent meditation and spiritual work so we can all experience enhanced living. Are you ready to evolve? Let's do this. Welcome back. So I'm sure so many of you have been in the position where you're friends with somebody on Facebook and you're looking through and you're like, how did we become friends? And you don't necessarily even know. And then as you get to know who this person is, you are shocked by the amazing things that this person has accomplished or the amazing things that they've done. And you, and you look at yourself and go, wait a minute, how did I, how did I even come to know this person? And so on today's show, that's exactly what happened to me. I am going to read you her bio before I bring her on the show, because I just think it's so important. She is such an impressive human being. And so I'm going to read this straight up. Preeti Upala is a geopolitical expert and an award-winning international columnist who also hosts a weekly podcast and appears as a regular radio and TV commentator. Her work has appeared in more than 100 publications, including The Observer, The National Telegraph, Business Standard, and The Times of India. She has spoken at various think tanks and has been a keynote speaker at global summits such as Horasis, WEF, among others. Her first book is due to be published soon, and she's ha- she has visited over 100 countries. She focuses on global and cultural issues. Her expertise is on foreign policy, U.S.-India relations, South Asian politics, counterterrorism, conflict resolution, and women's issues. I am honored to bring on the show right now, Preeti Upala. Preeti, thank you so much for being with me today. Namaste, Adam, and namaste to your amazing audience. Thank you so much for having me on your amazing show. It's always a pleasure to speak to enlightened souls out out here in in America. So I, it's absolutely my my joy and pleasure to speak with you today. Oh, thank you so much. There's so much that I want to get into. I mean, you've done so much in this world for for both women, for I mean, well, for peacekeeping. That's your that's your dharma, as you say. And for people who are not familiar with the term dharma, that's that's basically your purpose, your life's purpose. And so, Preeti, you how did you how did you go down this path? And before you answer that question, I want my listeners to understand that Preeti has a bachelor of technology in business with an honors research degree from the University of Sydney in Australia. She has a certification in nuclear terrorism from Stanford University and as well in counterterrorism from Georgetown University and an honorary doctorate degree from the Krishnamurti Institute in India. So now with that an insane body of accomplishments, I mean, I don't know, most people don't, a lot of people don't finish high school. You've now finished university more than once over. How did you, how did you end up on this path? Oh, you're too kind. The last uh, three uh, certifications uh, and the honorary doctorate came much later. So my main uh, study is in IT. I have, a, I have a degree in IT and then one in business. And actually, I think the universe just uh, 
kind of gently nudged me along. I'm very lucky. I'm one of those lucky people that somehow had a, a, a spiritual awakening and a life crisis when I was very young in my life. So, you know, I started working as a banker and in the corporate world, it was not fulfilling for me at all. I knew that it wasn't quite what my dharma is. But at that point, my early 20s, I didn't really know why I was here on this planet. A few years into my corporate life, I, I think, I realized that this is just not where I'm supposed to be. And that's when I had my, my own spiritual journey started when I, uh, at that point, because I was so dissatisfied and discontent with my life. And I knew that there was more to it. So that led me quite accidentally to a meditation center, actually, quite randomly. And I walked in and that was the first time when I had meditated and it changed my life. I had a very emotional experience. And slowly I started meditating every day and listening to my inner voice. And I was guided uh, and, and advised to listen to it and see what it was saying. And it just kept saying the same things that you belong on the global stage, that you're creative and you're artistic and you're, you know, Sydney is maybe not the destination for you. You need to look for a bigger stage. And, and America kept coming up. And by the end of, I think, six months, I realized that I really need to be in, in America, in uh, Hollywood, to be precise, because I thought entertainment was a great platform for me at that time, also for my creative pursuits. But also, I think America is the epicenter of the world in many ways, whether we like to believe that or not, it is. So if you want to really be a world changer, uh, you know, you want to affect the world at large, this is one of the best places in the world to do it, I think LA or, or New York. So I won a scholarship quite randomly because I was putting the vibes out there. And I realized that it was all energy and what you focused on. I was visualizing, I was doing deep meditations and asking and allowing for things to show up and uh, also direction to show up. And I was uh, guided to apply to this, some acting course that was, they were doing some auditions and I applied and I actually went away to Southeast Asia for, for a month. And when I came back, I realized that they had all, they liked me so much that they wanted to offer me a free scholarship to come to America and study film. So when that came through, I knew that my life was going to change. And I knew that I had to, say yes. And I had to just dive into the unknown. And uh, very quickly, it all sort of became clear. And my parents are extremely supportive. So I didn't have anything holding me back. And within a few months, I think I you know, bought a one-way ticket and flew, what is it, uh, 15 hours from Sydney to LA. And as soon as I had landed at LAX, I, I knew that I was in the right place at the right time. And that magic was awaiting me. And it really was. It's been quite a, a magical journey. Now, th that was 10 years ago, you know, so a lot has happened. My dharma has morphed, I think, from just acting and all of that to now it really, I think I'm here to do something much bigger. I think the Hollywood platform is a good one. But I think post-COVID, even Hollywood is going through a churn. So I think I'm beyond what I can do with Hollywood. I think I'm really out there in the big world stage. And I'm just supposed to, I think, be who I am and speak and write and do these things. And it's all sort of unfolding very naturally for me. So that's my story. <laughs> it's it's beautiful when you allow things to unfold naturally. I, I think I think so many people get stuck in a place of, 
I have to make this happen. It has to happen now. And, and they push and push and push. And really what you end up doing is pushing it away. Now, I want to I want to circle back on a couple of things because you were born in Dubai. Yes. And you were raised in India, right? Uh, no, I was born and brought up in, in, in the Middle East. I lived all around the Middle East because my parents had moved there before I was born. They went there for, for they had very good, um, uh, they got good jobs there. So they were pretty young when they were, I think they were both barely 25 or something like that. And back, this was quite a few years ago. And so they were lucky to get this incredible opportunity to move there. And then I was born and then we were there for about 14 years, I think. Then we moved briefly to Europe and then Australia. Yeah, so uh, I never grew up in India, but my connection with India really happened after I got deeper into my own spiritual journey, because I think my spiritual journey and my spiritual practices led me to my roots because, you know, you, you may be surprised to know that a lot of Indian Americans or Indian people who have grown up outside of India, some of them are very far removed from their own culture. Mm -hmm. So when they, you know, yoga and, and astrology, Ayurveda, uh, mantra, meditation, all these things are foreign even to them. In fact, I've seen more Americans uh, kind of more knowledgeable about some of these sort of Vedic philosophies than even the, the people who it's really their culture. They, they should know more about it. It's, it's a bit sad actually, but, but uh, for me, my, my, my own journey took me deeper because then I started realizing, wow, I'm a very privileged to sort of incarnate into this culture and lineage in the first place. And why, why did that happen? And why am I here? And I know that karmically there's a reason. Absolutely. And all of this started very, you know, I was very young when I got onto my path, which tells me that there is some work for me to do because I was very lucky to have very spiritual parents, actually. So, you know, they had instilled some good values in me and, and it was very easy for me to get into that spiritual knowledge and spiritual seeking and uh, various types of modalities and very lucky to have met lots of gurus and gone going to ashrams around the world and to get Shaktipat and meet and connect with them and learn what I need to from all the, there are so many amazing teachers out there. So I, I was, but all of that happened very quickly for me, which tells me that I'm supposed to do something with that knowledge, you know? Of so I, I always pray for guidance. That's so, it's a wonderful place to be. I mean, you know, you said that you were really dissatisfied with your life in, in the financial sector and that kind of like jumped you into your spiritual journey. I find that a lot of people do tend to spiritually evolve when things get tough you know either they go in one direction where it's just they give up or they they literally are forced to for christians it's a come to jesus moment for for some people it's just uh, i need to know what else is out there and so your culture and your heritage is 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 in ayurveda and and yoga and, and that's what you and that's what i came to study just on my own well through, it's actually a really crazy fun story, but I was looking for a yoga class just because I felt like I needed to take yoga for some reason. This was back, I want to say 12 years ago, 13 years ago. I had already been very deep into meditation at that point on my own, but I wanted to take a yoga class and I, I took two and I was like, oh, this isn't right. It wasn't the right thing. 
And then I met who would later become my wife. And she had just completed her 200 hour yoga and Ayurveda certification. And she's like, well, you should come to my class. And that was it. I was hooked within, within two months. I was already in my own certification and that was it. It, It's just, once you live that it's, it's impossible to go back. So I want to touch on that a little bit because you are actually a Jyotisha. You're a Vedic astrologer. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh yeah, that's one of my my great loves. I think one of the great Vedic uh, sciences, and it really is a science. It's a pure science. You know, astrology, pure astrology, Jyotish is really about mathematics. It's about calculations. It's about positions, astronomy, planets, and the sort of cosmology and all of that. And these things have been around obviously for thousands of years. They are you, you, there is evidence that it works. If you ask a, a, an, a, an astronomer or a mathematician, they will be able to verify a lot of these kind of uh, astrological uh, claims uh, or the uh, the calculations. And when you look at the orbits and precision of the equinox and the planetary movements, and, and of course it affects us. I mean, the moon affects us. And if the moon affects us, there are many more bodies out there, much more larger, and who have much more of a vibration, uh, like Jupiter and Saturn and all the big ones. And, and, you know, that even affect us and Mercury as well, you know, these affect us even more than just what the moon can do. So it's funny when I meet people who are skeptical, and, and they are people who are skeptical, I just think that they haven't been introduced to astrology in the right way. I always tell them, look, it's not about believing in it. It's not about whether you believe in it or not. You know, science, it's happening around you. You're a product. And if you don't believe in astrology, then you shouldn't believe in time. Because how do you think time came to be? Whether it's the hour, it's the week, the, the day, the, you know, the orbit uh, the 24 hours where do you think we got that from you know and just and the names of the days of the week from uh, sanskrit to latin to even the germanic languages it's all so you know the sundays for the sun monday for the moon i mean they don't even think about these basic things i think when you get deeper into it at some point you don't even it doesn't phase you. And and i quite frankly i don't attract people who are skeptical or haters or negative I actually attract only only good people. I started with Western astrology, actually. And even that, I quite, by accident, I fell into it. And uh, I did that for many, many years. And then I met a real Jyotish and I was blown away. And uh, then I got myself into that. And then I realized it's uh, similar, but, but, uh, but different. But of course, Jyotish, is, there's nothing like it. It's incomparable, very, very deep. And I use it as a spiritual tool. For myself and sometimes for others, it's really just, it's, I always say it's the, it's a karmic blueprint of your soul's journey. You know, it's all there in your chart. It's telling you who you are, why you're here, what you're going to do and the different points that you're going to hit in your life, like milestones. However, it gives you free will. You have enormous control. The, The blueprint, the chart is just default. If if you do nothing, this is what will happen. You can completely overcome that. I think you're supposed to supersede it through your spiritual sadhana. You know, you're supposed to uh, come to a point where the chart doesn't affect you, where you are living your true purpose, and and the highest good is going to come through you. You know, so now I I barely look at my chart. I just know the big transits and also what we're seeing, the Corona, the COVID, all of this is there in the chart. You know, it's the Jupiter, Pluto and Saturn in Capricorn. 
whether it's the Vedic or Western, is it, both have to do with Capricorn. And in both systems, Capricorn is the old establishment. You know, it's the old devil, right? Uh, it's the old ways. And uh, Pluto, Saturn, and Jupiter comes around to destroy everything that doesn't work. And from the from the ashes, we're going to, like a phoenix, we're going to get the new system, which is what we're seeing. And Corona is very much a part of that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. That that was, I mean, first of all, that's that's really, really amazing. I, you know, you you touched on a little bit, the not so much the difference, but the fact that you did start in Western astrology and then moved into Vedic astrology. So for for anyone who doesn't understand, and I, we touched on it a bit in my program that I that I got to study, and we both have a common uh, friend. I know that you don't know him personally, but Masvidal, who is oh, my yeah. teacher. Yeah, so we touched on on uh, Jyotish a bit in our certification, and and I actually had my chart done with my wife, and it said what it said. But at the end of the day, I love that it really does allow for the ability to through your sadhana. And by the way, for for my listeners, a sadhana is just your daily spiritual practice. That's all it is. So if you're meditating consistently and you're you're doing the things that are right for your constitution, for your dosha, for for everything that you're doing, you can definitely overcome the things that are that are. I want, I'm going to use air quotes meant to happen to you because really you do have control over your own destiny. We've, and for anyone skeptical about astrology, I mean, at the end of the day, science has proven that everything is energy. And so energy, it affects itself, right? You're going to attract of like kind. And so what do you think the planets are? The planets, it's all energy. So that's going to affect you in some capacity if you're, you're able to. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda talks about how to mitigate the, the planets uh, using, it's an armband actually, with, with specific jewels that are in it that help mitigate the circumstances of your planetary charts, right? So, sorry, that was a long-winded <laughs> sidetrack, but what I wanted to know is what's the difference between yeah. Western astrology and Vedic astrology? Great question. And I think, by the way, uh, one point that even a lot of, certainly most Western astrologers don't know this, and Many practitioners, I think teachers do, but practitioners of Jyotish also don't know this. I myself found this out, uh, not when I started, but, but much later into my own practice, is both systems, sidereal and tropical, are Vedic. They are both described in the Vedic Shastras. So I think the common thinking is that we had a Vedic astrology and then thousands of years later, the Greeks invented what then became Western astrology. That's not true. But the system that the Greeks used was in the Veda, uh, Vedic uh, scriptures. Uh, so various uh, styles of uh, looking and interpreting the planetary positions and interpreting a chart were there. It's just that the Vedic sages preferred one technique over the other. They preferred what we call as the sidereal, the nakshatras and the moon-based, rather than the tropical based on the seasons. So to say that these are two different systems invented by two different civilizations is not true. And this kind of took me by surprise because that's even how I had understood it. And then when a very well-known Jyotish teacher, he said that in in the Brahma Sutras, uh, which that's the Shastra that describes the techniques, they have both types. It's just that those astrologers at that time thought that Vedic system, the sidereal system, was more accurate. And it is, to be honest. So the difference is 
it's funny, it's so uncanny. They're so alive. They have the same signs, the same planets. And you think, how can two, two sort of people come up with the same idea thousands of years apart? Why are they so identical? That does not make sense. You know, somebody copy is, is taking it from someone. But the difference is that the Vedic system uh, takes the positions of the planets as they actually were in the sky you know, back then, so thousands of years ago, because that's the actual position. The Western astrologers will look at a telescope today and look at the positions. They have changed 23 degrees. They are 30 degrees in a sign. So 23 degrees is almost a sign. So when someone says, I'm an Aries in Western system, most likely, unless they were born at the very end of Aries, most likely they are Pisces in the Vedic system because it's the 23 degrees prior. So very few people were like, they have identical charts regardless of system because uh, like in my case, I was born at the very end. So my charts are very similar. I don't have much difference at all. My moon sign is the same. My ascendant is the same. It's interesting. So, so that's so- the difference. It's just the calculations. But then also Vedic astrology doesn't just have one birth chart. It has many divisional charts. So if you want to look at career, you look at the divisional chart that corresponds, which is called the D10. If you want to look at marriage, is the D9. If you want to look at your spiritual practice, there, there is one. Then there's one for past life, which is really interesting. It's a D60. It's a very, very powerful chart. So you have like, so I think, I don't know, 20 or 30 divisional charts. And then also, I think Vedic astrology is much better for things like marriage compatibility, which they use in India. And they, it's not a, a, that's why these marriages work in India so much, because they kind of match people up, not based on attraction or chemistry or anything like that, but real compatibility, soul capacity, that these two people can go the distance. Because you can be attracted to anyone, you can fall in love, it doesn't mean anything. Two years later, you're divorcing. But when you check the inherent sort of from a planetary perspective, what is the, or a soul perspective, what is the capacity of this individual to be married for a long time? And what kind of person will be right? And if they find someone, what, what is the, is that high or low? And what's going to be good? I mean, a really good astrologer can tell you, you'll be married for 60 years, but you may not have children or your the sexuality is not going to be that great, but you're going to make money together. But but this will be a marriage that will last and be successful. So they it works because they look at deeper things that are not, uh, that you can't see on the surface. These are like your deep, the things that you hide from the world. Planets don't lie. The chart reveals your real personality. So that's why I think it's such a good tool, especially for marriage. I will highly recommend people to make sure you get a proper matching done and you get that tick because it, I think in this day and age, especially in the West, marriages are not lasting. I think people are, it's falling apart way too, too easily and people are picking the wrong people for the wrong reason. So yeah, it's a it's- good tool for that. It's interesting because a there's two things I want to address because one you did you did mention that with Vedic astrology there is the capacity to through your own daily personal work overcome what's in the charts and so for most people it's a default and that's where they're going to go. I remember when uh, my wife and I had our charts done and 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 the Jyotish said to us this is the one part that turned me off because he was like it's a really hard road for you guys and oh. so I know and. 
Here we are now married. Uh, see, we just settled through the COVID pandemic. We've become closer than we've ever been. As far as I'm concerned, our relationship is as perfect as it gets. Now, I, I do have to say that was he wrong? No, because deep down inside, there's little things that if I wasn't if I wasn't working on myself consistently on a daily basis and the two of us hadn't decided to be a spiritual union first and chosen to love each other unconditionally, which we've done, if we hadn't done all those things, I don't know that we would have lasted because there were too many differences between us with respect to how we looked at things. However, with that being said, I've personally evolved a lot through my own personal daily sadhana and through my own desire to become better than I was yesterday. That's always the goal is better than yesterday. And so because of that, I mean, she's she's wonderful. She grew up going to ashrams as a kid. She is just literally the most amazing human being that that I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. And so, and anyone who knows, I mean, their listeners have heard her on the show before and anyone who meets my wife literally just falls in love. It's, it's She's just that kind of a person. And so- Admittedly, she had less of, you know, self-work to do than I did. But at the same time, being willing to put in that work, we've overcome those hurdles in our charts because our charts definitely said it's a tough road. And I remember, I remember the day that we got that. I was like, because it was early on. We were only together, I think, maybe six months at the time. And I was like, nope, I'm done with this. I don't want to know about it anymore. And and it's it's interesting because it's been at the back of my head every single time we've had like disagreements or or anything like that. So it's just interesting that you bring that up because it's it's really, really true. So now you had been saying that back when you followed your, let's say, dissatisfaction to your spiritual awakening, and then and then you practice the asking and the allowing and and being guided. Was there ever any point where you were worried that things weren't going to work out? You know, I have more of those questions and doubts today, I think, than back then, because I was very young and I'm an Aries. So I am, for me, moving to the other side of the world by myself on a whim was an adventure. I could not wait to get out of Australia. I had outgrown Australia like 10 years ago, you know. So for I think my approach to all of this was extremely healthy, brave, adventurous, and fearless. I think today, if I was guided to move to the other side of the world. I mean, I would do it obviously, and I, I'm brave enough to do it. But I would have, I would be, I would ask more questions. I would be more skeptical, more, more self-doubting whether this is even the right move. So I think back then, it's funny sometimes when you're, because I had just scratched the surface of my own spiritual journey. So uh, I was kind of learning to listen to myself, and I wasn't some like today. I'm extremely intuitive much more than even back then. So I didn't have those qualms, you know. I just didn't think much about it. I thought, I need to do this. I'm going to make a decision in my heart and go with it, which is actually what you need. You need to take massive step and you need to make a decision and stick to it. I think even today, I find myself uh, kind of going back sometimes and changing my mind. Whereas and in those days, uh, I didn't change my mind. I, I, I stuck to it. Actually, it worked out for me. So the whole process, no, it's funny. I, I wasn't scared. I'm sure my parents were terrified because I was so young, you know, and for my culture to kind of do that is really unheard of. But they were very supportive and loving and caring. And also, I think they knew that I was not happy. And they knew that I had a lot of potential to do something big with my life. 
and they knew uh, that I was, you know, a smart person. I had, I work hard. I had very good grades. I, you know, good education, good qualifications, even very good work experience. They knew that I, I could make it anywhere. I could succeed in anything. So they kind of probably realized that I'm going to make it no matter what I do or where I go. They just wanted me to be safe, I guess. And then a few, actually in my first year of moving to LA, that very year at the, towards the end, uh, in December that year, I was invited to go to China for some film festival. And I ended up becoming an overnight star there quite randomly, I must say. And I was on the front page news of every newspaper in Asia. And I obviously sent all of those physical paper as well as the links and everything back home to my parents. And at then when they read all of that, they were like blown away. And I remember my mother saying, look, you need to go the distance. You need to go all the way. I think you've sacrificed everything. Don't worry. Don't let anything hold you back. Just focus on your future and, and make it. You know, you want to be a global superstar. You got it in you. We're, we're with you. We're, you know, we're behind you. We're your biggest fans. Don't let anything hold you back. Don't let us hold you back. Go for it. So I'm very lucky that I had such amazing parents. It really helps when you have that support system behind you, of course. I mean, so many people are going after their dreams. Actually, let me back that up. So many people let their dreams fall by the wayside and they settle. But then there are the people who do go after their dreams. And so many of those people are unsupported because Mm -hmm. people are, you know, their parents or their family or their friends are like, be realistic. And I use air quotes when I say realistic, because what is realistic? (laughs) Everything is as you perceive it to be. So if you choose to go after something, right, you will succeed if you believe in yourself. Now, it doesn't hurt to have that support system. In fact, it's so great when you do. So how, how blessed are you? Now, one thing that you said, you were offered the film scholarship here in Hollywood and, and it was, you, you were just like, no, no, I'm going to say yes. Of course I'm going to say yes. And it's, it's, I think that I, I want to touch on that because before we move on to all of your degrees, because I, I definitely need to know how the certification in nuclear terrorism and counterterrorism came into play and, and, and yes. what came of those. But, but before we touch on that, I want to I want to talk about this importance of saying yes to the moment. How important is that? How important has that been in your life as as in just saying yes? Yes. So sorry say say that again. I didn't I want, So I want to know how important it is for you or how has it been for you in life to just say yes to the opportunities oh, yeah. that come. It's it's even before I was, you know, spiritual I always was very enthusiastic, very eager. Whatever opportunity came my my way, I was uh, somebody who was like open and and ready to give it a go. So that's a part of my personality. I think it's the Aries personality. They 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 do say yes, you know. And it, I think it's served me and probably other Aries very well. Sometimes we do crazy things. We we say yes when we really shouldn't, and we do uh, like wacky things that that almost are are dangerous. But most of the time it works out. Uh, It is important. Uh, I think as I've gotten older and more deeper into my own journey, now I say yes as well. I I also ask for direction and guidance. But I think maybe before I never used to do much deeper analysis of of an opportunity. I would would say yes more. Uh, Now, so many years later, 
I think there are a lot of things I say no to, and rightfully so. There are people and opportunities that are presented to me, especially in Hollywood. Every every third person you meet is it never works out. You know, they say that they have a project, there is never a project, and there are a lot of people who want to take you for a ride. So I meet these people at events and festivals and meetings and so on, and I know immediately where that it's going. And you have to decline respectfully and move on with your life so that you can make space for what is right. So I think that I didn't have about 10, 15 years ago, that skill I do today. But but then that comes with the disappointing aspect too, where more, especially in Hollywood, more often than not, you are doing that, where you are actually filtering through the, the all the gunk to get to that one nugget of truth or, or that one opportunity that's the real one. I mean, a lot of people get jaded by that. I don't because I'm positive. I still, uh, I'm grateful that I even found the real thing despite all the times that I've said no because it took me to the one that I could say yes and it actually worked out all the way. So it, I, my advice to people is definitely be open, but I think know that you're intuitive enough in your heart to make that decision. What I've learned is that your body is a pretty good indicator and mm -hmm. it lets you know. If you get that queasy feeling in your tummy or uh, your shortness of breath, I think that's one. And or, or you just know, sometimes you're around people or uh, you're in a meeting and they're talking about some venture or some opportunity and something just doesn't feel right. That's your inner self warning you and just gently telling you, get yourself out of this. So listen to that. If you ever hear that voice saying, this doesn't feel right, trust me, there is something not quite right. And make sure it's not your ego, you know, and it's something deeper, but you'll know the difference. It's a different voice. It's a sincere voice. It's much more softer and lower, I think. But I think That's my true. advice is say yes, but, but, but follow your heart because Sometimes the mind says do it and the heart says no. I think go go with the heart. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so true. And I, I love what you said about how your body knows because your body really does know. I, I think everyone has the ability to tap into this. I've been empathic since I was a child. I've, I've No one has ever lied to me without me knowing it. Now, whether I've called them out on it or not is a whole other story. And I've talked about this on the show before, but... It's it's I've I feel other people's feelings. I can I can tell when they're when when things are off and I have always known when when it's right and when it's wrong. And there have been so many times in my own life where I've pushed ahead anyway because I mean I knew better, but I pushed ahead anyway, either because of fear, I didn't want to miss out. It was something that and I was just like, no, 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 you're not being you talk yourself out of or into something that you know is wrong. And then you later realize, like, yeah, I should have never done this in the first place. And so I think that's really solid advice. Listen to your body, listen to your heart. Your body knows because that's literally your soul talking to you through the physical. So mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely wonderful. I would be totally remiss if I didn't talk to you about your certifications in yes. nuclear terrorism and counterterrorism. Yeah, how, how interesting. Yeah, how did that happen? And, and I'll, I'll share with you. So yeah, my original degrees are from a university in Sydney and uh, that was uh, many years ago. Gosh, it's... Uh, many years ago, but I, 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 my degree in IT and then the, the, the business and the, the honors research degree, that was that. When I graduated, I was 20 years old and I was given a scholarship to do a PhD, which I declined because I wanted to start the corporate career, I guess. So I, I made a decision to just start working. I started working for an investment bank and that was my journey. 
And then, of course, I moved here and a, a lot happened. Then I started my radio show. You know, I was still acting and, and trying to get into producing a TV show. But And then my podcast and the radio and all of that. And uh, I always wanted to write as well. So I was, you know, figuring out my book, you know, different ideas and stuff. But I sort of, I've been writing my whole life, but I started writing here for various outlets. I've wrote about entertainment. I've written about travel a lot because I've obviously I've traveled and food and all of that. But then, and I worked with a couple of nice outlets here, but my writing got me into political writing because I've traveled a lot. I've, I also know political systems in Middle East, in India, and I can compare that with what's going on here. And I always had that astute political mind where I knew politics and uh, policy and also geopolitics. I think when you live in countries like India or, or uh, the Middle East, you find out about conflicts in these areas and all the communal tensions or the conflicts, wars, all of that jazz. Uh, and, you know, they're aflame always. They have been for decades. So I really got sort of deep into that. And I started writing a lot about that stuff. So things like conflict resolution, terrorism, obviously, that's a big topic. Uh, because I think these regions are plagued by certain kind of religious fundamentalism. Mm -hmm. And it's a problem. And I, I, what I've noticed is when I look at uh, the American journalists or the European journalists, they are, sometimes they write about these issues, but they've never lived in these countries. They, they don't know the faith or the culture or they don't know the reality on the ground. But my own personal experience and my also I've read up a lot on the history of the regions and the civilizations themselves. So I write with a lot of knowledge, I think, of the foundation of what the problem is and what's going on. And when I would read what some of the Western media people are writing, I thought this is so distorted. It's so off. So it, it actually motivated me to write even more. And then I did lots of research as well that got syndicated and suddenly every outlet picked it up. That's why I, I, it's like some topics I can just Google my name and there's like literally hundreds of outlets that have picked up my story and they named me for the research, which is good. And now I'm doing a lot of analysis on China and what's coming up, which is again, very interesting. But so I've always been interested in geopolitics and the and conflicts and stuff. But very recently I found out that online, some of these uh, universities are offering these courses. And I thought, these are the two most interesting topics, uh, you know, the, the, new, the threat of nuclear terrorism and then, of course, counterterrorism. And uh, I just thought I'd love to do it. So it's a short course. So I signed up for both and I kind of did them at the same time. So that was one great thing that happened. And I urge people to physically studying at universities is, is going to be very tough, I think, moving forward with, with, with COVID. But this is actually a great time to get certified online or do courses online and learn, you know, because there's so much knowledge out there. And I think institutions are also being very generous and uh, sort of open and making themselves very accessible. So uh, that's a, a great opportunity, I think, for young and old people interested in psychology, maybe even astrology, spirituality, philosophy neuroscience, you know, biogenetics, all these interesting topics that we're all fascinated with, but we don't know much about. Uh, this would be the time, I think, to kind of immerse yourself in that. I, I love that. That's, that's absolutely amazing. Before we go, you said something was coming up in China that you said, just with respect to, I think you said financially or 
I don't, it was, it was something yeah, that was- No, the, my, my analysis was, I don't know if you've heard about the Belt and Road Initiative. It's the new Silk Road. So it's the, their idea of uh, neocolonization. Basically, they're buying up parts of Africa and Asia. They've been doing this for a while, but it's in full, full form now. So I had done some research and I'll send you a link. I had done some research on that and people are really finding out about that. So I think that project of theirs is going to run into a lot of obstacles and it's starting to already, you know, and I do think it's a failed project. So that's good for the world though. That, that's a positive thing, <laughs> but, uh, and they're going to have their own uh, testing time, I think. You know, every country is going to be tested on a different level, but their thing is karmic. Don't don't worry about it. Yeah. All of this is karmic. And look, I just want to tell people, this is all divinely orchestrated. It's all part of the paradigm shift. It's a good thing. By the end of this, we will all be happier and healthier. And the gunk that needs to be cleaned out will be cleaned out. And this is actually a great time for spiritual people to go in. It's a great time for entrepreneurs to come up with ideas. I'm writing a book great time to write a book, to read, to do the things that you never thought you had time for. So take it as a nice break and just be productive. Don't get lazy and disheartened because you might not get this because I think regardless of what happens, life will move on. So even if there is some virus floating around, you will have to get back to work and, and things that you do. You might not have this precious time that you do right now. So this is actually a blessing, you know. I agree. I think everything in life is a blessing, including having you on the show today, Preeti. Thank you so much for your amazing knowledge and for being here with us today. Tell my listeners where they can find you. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be on your show. Uh, just such a nice vibe. I'm everywhere. So please find me on Twitter. I am the Preeti Effect on Twitter. Instagram, same thing. It's the Preeti Effect. And uh, I have a Facebook a personal page, but I have a, a public figure page too. It's just Preeti Upala. And YouTube, I have my own channel. Uh, please check me out. I have a lot of content. And if you just type in my name, Preeti Upala, it'll come up. So my podcast, The Eternal Hour, is there, I think, on iHeartRadio. And my YouTube thing is The Pretty Experience. So you can find content out there. And for my articles and all of that, my website is being designed as we speak, but my articles are out there. So just type in my name and a topic or just say media or journalist or article and you get a lot of articles will pop up. So please, please do that and reach out to me because I love to engage and I like to hear back from people and get feedback and stuff. So please don't hesitate to connect with me. I'd love to hear from all of you. Wonderful. It'll all be in the show notes below for everyone listening. Thank you once again for joining me today, Preeti. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Enhanced Living Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach me directly at enhancedliving.net. Thanks for listening.